0: and learned how to work it Um, I have no agenda I know there are lots of people will tell you that and then they lay their agenda on you but I actually don't have one Uh, other than uh, just to make myself available um, you can ask questions about oh me or the church or you know, a good recipe for carrot cake? I don't know. <laughs> Whatever, but um, uh, it's, it's wonderful to be here. It's been a very long time since I've, I've been here, although I have uh, confirmed a few um, young people from here at the cathedral uh, helping Bishop Mary Ann um, because I saw my name in your book uh, this morning when I was signing for all of these kids. Uh, what a great confirmation class. It was really really fun um, anybody got a question uh, yes ma'am okay you all, uh, especially come to the microphone for a thank you <laughs> I just wanted to thank you for your excellent sermon to us uh, to the com- com Um and I really appreciated the I guess it was supposed to be the basic some basic tenets, but that that flexibility and that openness um, for a lot of us is wonderful to hear, and I really, really thank you, and I hope it will be available in print, because I have some young people in mind. (laughs) So let me uh, uh, just say something in response to that. some of what I said and how I said it uh, came out of my own story. I actually grew up in the Disciples of Christ denomination. There are not a lot of Disciples churches in the East because um, the Disciples denomination grew out of one of the so-called Great Awakenings when Kentucky and Ohio were the uh, frontier. Uh, I'm from Kentucky. And um, so uh, the denomination was started and moved westward, but never really made much of a U-turn to come back east. They figured you all were lost anyway. <laughs> uh, although uh, downtown in Thomas Circle is First National City Church, I think, is, is that right? Uh, and it's a disciples church, and it's where um, uh, Lyndon and Lady Bird Johnson worshiped uh, when they were here. Uh, nationally, it's, a, it's quite a uh, liberal and open, uh, wonderful denomination. I grew up um, uh, in a very small, very poor uh, congregation. Every single man and woman in that parish were tobacco sharecroppers, except for one lawyer. <laughs> And um, I, I grew up, uh, my parents were uh, sharecroppers. I didn't live in a house with running water till I was 10. And, uh, but it, this was a very conservative congregation. And what I said was really true. Um, uh, I... Uh, I was kind of thinking theologically uh, early on, and I had a I had a uh, an advanced placement English course with a with a teacher who got me to reading Paul Tillich uh, in high school, um, which was just such a breath of fresh air. Uh, so I was really um, I was very turned off by uh, the narrowness that I experienced in that in that congregation and uh, so I had a lot of questions and and was told that there are certain questions you shouldn't ask and as I said this morning uh, even at the ripe old age of 17 I I didn't think that was true uh, I I I figured there were questions that didn't have uh, easy uh, or brief answers, but uh, I didn't think there was. Uh, you know, if if the faith couldn't stand up to my questions as a 17-year-old, then you know, it, it's kind of sad. So by the time I went off to college, um, I was um, I was looking for something else. I'd never been in an Episcopal church in my life. uh, But I happened to go to um, uh, Sewanee, the University of the South in Tennessee, which is actually owned by the Southern Dioceses of the Episcopal Church. It has a terrible reason for existing, which is... Um, Slave-owning plantation owners got sick and tired of sending their eldest sons to Oxford for their education, and a group of them went to Oxford and basically bought a faculty and talked enough people into coming with them. They shipped them all back to a mountain in Tennessee. It's still quite isolated. And uh, and founding the University of the South. Uh, mercifully, it has gotten beyond those particular days, but uh, that part of its history is um, uh, not, not anything to be proud of. Uh, but I uh, ran into a... Uh, An assistant chaplain there and uh, I was still on my rant about you know God sending all these people to hell and stuff and um, instead of telling me there weren't that there were questions that I was not supposed to ask instead he said to me gee those are great questions I'm not sure I know the answers but why don't you come on in and we'll look for answers together and I thought okay, I like the sound of this. And he was the one when I was um, saying, you know, that Nicene Creed thing, wow, <laughs> it's got a lot of stuff in it that I I just don't, I don't buy. Um, and and he said, well, just just drop out when when you get to a, a particular part that you don't believe. Um, and what it did was that it, it just gave me the freedom to be who, uh, whoever and wherever I was uh, and, and still go to church. Uh, I think sometimes we get so rigid about some of those things that people just give up on us altogether. And what that allowed me to do was to continue to come to church, participate as much as I could, which of course the more I came, the more I participated, the more I understood, the more I learned, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And actually, it's not a bad approach for adults. It's just that um, we're sometimes, uh, we either we think we won't get permission, or uh, somehow that's being sacrilegious, or whatever. I don't think I don't think we're supposed to know everything, and and it's and it's okay to be a part of this community without knowing everything, because in 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 actuality, none of us do know everything. So, um, anyway, so that sort of approach, thank you for your compliment, that sort of approach com- comes out of my my experience of that. Yeah. And I still think there are questions we can't answer, right? Uh-oh. Hi. Uh, There's trouble. Thanks for coming. Good to see you. Bon, the uh, public opinion research. Most of his clients are evangelical Christians. Yeah, yeah. Went to 18 to 25-year-old Americans and asked them for the words that they associate with Christian and Christianity and 8 out of the 10 words were negative words. Sure. Judgmental, anti-gay, racist. I mean, harsh. They're just awful. Yeah. The churches that might wheel on their heels and say to America, hey, but we, we don't do that, we're the guys who don't do that. They're having the same down draft among young people as the churches that very much do. Right. So what are we supposed to do? Yeah. Good. Like I said, there are some questions that just don't have answers. So. Uh, uh, these are great questions, and uh, first of all, it doesn't do any church any good to pretend that those statistics are not true, right, to somehow brush them off, as opposed to paying attention to them and asking the question, uh, why is that the case? Um, uh, I A couple of things before I answer it. Um, It was not too very long ago that those of us whose numbers were diminishing uh, were always had thrown in our faces the uh, uh, more conservative evangelical churches uh, rapid growth. That is no longer true and the number one reason is their um, denominations stand on LGBTQ people. And here's, here's why that's happening, is that they know LGBTQ people back not too long ago, most Americans would have told you they didn't know anyone gay. Now, is there a family left that doesn't know one of their own uh, to be uh, to be LGBTQ? Uh, but they don't appreciate the things that are being said and how they're being treated because uh, they're friends with those people and consider themselves allies. So that's the number one reason uh, they give for leaving. And the, the conservative churches at the moment are Literally in a panic about uh, what to do because all the kids are leaving, and what what does the future look like uh, without kids? Um, uh, to get uh, to your question, um, uh, it may it may sound like a weak answer, uh, and and I'm willing to entertain the notion that it is. But my thought about that is. I think we just have to keep doing uh, what we're doing, uh, and and hold on for a little while. Um, and I think we need to catch up in terms of social media and. Uh, It it sounds a little crass to say marketing, but look, if you're not into marketing, you don't get heard these days. And we put precious little money into it, and so uh, there's no, there's no, if we don't have a presence on TikTok and uh, Instagram and so on and so forth, um, uh, no one's gonna stumble into us. You should know that, you know, being here in in the middle of a residential area, uh, nobody's just gonna like happen in here. Here, right? So you might have some clues about uh, how to, to get known. But here's the thing, I, I'll, I'll tell you what I think we could do um, about this, and I'll give you a, a really good example, um, which is you can't, you may not be able to get kids or adults to come and listen to, uh, you know, boring um, sermons about the Nicene Creed or whatever, but you can get them to work on a social action project. You can get them to work on behalf of some vulnerable uh, population somewhere, or uh, work at a shelter for um, transgender women of color, or. I mean, just name one of those. My parish, St. Saint, uh, Saint Thomas, uh, DuPont Circle, when the governor of, of uh, Texas puts uh, migrants on a bus and sends them to Washington, D.C., they unload at my parish. And we've got, a, our parish has become a team of people to welcome them, receive them, give them what they need, which is, they need somebody to watch their kids and a good shower because they haven't been, they haven't had access to a shower in days. So, um, my rector sent me, the, so we built a new church um, not too long ago. You should come see it, it's really, it's totally cool. Um, and on the first floor, uh, uh, they put in uh, Bishop Gene Robinson Chapel. And I said, like, don't you have to be dead? like to? <laughs> Do that, And they were like, no, no, we can do it in your honor, not in your memory. So I'm like, okay, okay, I got that. But she sent me a picture that I treasure, which is, um, it actually has chairs in it, but there were no chairs in it that day because there there were immigrants just sleeping everywhere. I mean, it's not very big, but the whole floor was just covered. I mean, some of those people have walked from venezuela right and so on we have adults and young people banging down our doors to help and we get five to six newcomers every week every week it is it is astounding Uh, we now have simultaneous translation equipment for every person in the congregation. So whether we do the service in English or Spanish, everybody can understand it. Um, And uh, it has transformed us. It's literally transformed us. And the stories of these, you know, uh, one of my favorite um, uh, theologians uh, teaches at I Seminary in Denver, one of my favorite theologians, whose name I'm completely blocking at the moment, uh, it will come to me. Anyway, uh, uh, one of the one of his sort of uh, one of the things he's learned, if he were preaching that sermon, is that salvation always comes from the margins, right? It's always people on the edge of things who have the most to teach us, especially folks like us here, right? Um, And people are hungry for that. And it's substantive. You know, coming to church and learning the colors of the liturgical calendar, okay, I guess it's, you know, relatively important. It's nice when everybody wears red or green or whatever. But honestly, that is not gonna draw anybody. Right? And, And it's certainly, kids are not gonna put up with it um so let me just uh say one more thing which is i think uh the reason it's being experienced across the board uh all kinds of churches and uh and also synagogues and mosques and so on is that uh i don't know the statistics on this but surely people's trust in institutions of all kinds is at an all-time low, right? Uh, To my way of thinking, and given my age, which is 76, um, I think it started with Watergate. Um, It was our first dramatic experience of, uh, perhaps, of, uh, you know, being told one thing and, and having another altogether going on, um, to, to be lied to. Uh, and the Vietnam War at the same time. Um, and certainly if you've read anything about the Vietnam War since then, you know that what we were getting was not actually what was happening. So I think, I think all of us have learned to uh, distrust institutions somewhat I think it 's especially so uh, uh, with younger people so here 's um, uh, uh, here 's the the caution I would give if we don 't realize that our democracy is under attack and under the greatest threat of my lifetime then then well, I was going to say we ought to lose it, but that's too awful to contemplate. Uh, we need we need to notice uh, what is happening, and 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 we may be called upon to do some brave things. And here's why I believe in democracy. And here's a message that I think would draw people. We believe in democracy. Now, I don't believe in taking the church and plopping it in the, in the public square and making everybody salute it or pray to it or whatever. But my faith makes me want to go into the public square and fight for democracy. Why? Because, well, we say we believe loving God and loving our neighbor as ourselves. There is no, um, there is no form of government that tries to do the greatest good for the greatest number, more than democracy. And so you and I have a religious reason to get involved in that, because it actually is the form of government. It is so not perfect, I don't even have to say that, except to let you know that I'm not naive or stupid. It's not perfect, but, of all of our uh, seeming choices about uh, governing, uh, that seems to uh, work for the greatest good for the greatest number and and therefore, I think you and I, as episcopalians as Christians, uh, have a, a duty to to fight for it. And we are the people who need to stand up to the white Christian nationalism that is rampant. And it is snake oil. It does not deliver what it promises. And if, if we aren't careful, we're going to wake up in a country that we don't recognize. And that is not going to be working for the greatest good for the greatest number. I mean, we already don't do that sometimes, but it, I think we're reaching a dangerous uh, tipping point. I think I think young people. I think unchurched people. I think dechurched people. There are a lot of those who used to be a part of a faith community, and for whatever reason left. But I think part of the reason is that um, uh, the places they were weren't terribly relevant to what was going on in their lives. And so um, I think I think the most relevant thing at the moment is the precarious. Um, location, shall we say, of democracy uh, in this country. Uh, so that's, that's the best I can do, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, sir? Yeah, just come right on up. You've got one behind you, so like, I'm right Yes, ma'am. I have an uh, idea. I'll repeat it. Um, my idea is, you know how you say, love your neighbor as yourself, what about loving your enemy? yeah (laughs) good point this this lady should be preaching um she said never mind loving your neighbor there's nothing wrong with that but how about loving your enemy that's sort of um christianity 2.0 right um and and interestingly even in scripture there there is a progression right from loving god to learning to love yourself, to loving your neighbor, and and Jesus, of course, took that one one step further about uh, loving one's enemy. Um, I think, um, well, you don't, you don't have to look too far uh, for enemies, right? Uh, um, and I think sometimes it's hard to know. Um, how to love them. Let me just give you an example of something, um, uh, uh, sort of personal, but uh, when I was elected, you may have heard about it, and uh, it caused a considerable amount of controversy, um, and um, people often say to me, uh, how, how could you be so nice to, and about your detractors. And um, a couple of things. One is the uh, Archbishop of Kenya said that uh, when Gene Robinson was made a bishop, Satan entered the church. Uh, The Bishop of Nigeria said that uh, gay people are lower than the dogs. And I used to enjoy saying, because I actually believe it, that I'm gonna be in heaven with those two guys. I believe that, and we're gonna get along there because God won't have it any other way. I suspect we're going to discover that all three of us were wrong about some things and right about some things. And what helped me stay on a good day, stay kind to them, and helped me respect the dignity of every human being in them was to remind myself that they were only saying what we taught them. They they didn't, they weren't born with those opinions. They were taught that. And it's hard, it's, you know, it's hard to blame someone for, uh, for believing something that you taught them. And if we've been changing our minds, how good have we been at letting some people know? But here's what it did for me. Um, Remembering that helped me not take it personally, right? And because I know that God loves me beyond anything I can imagine, and nobody can take that away from me, Because of that knowledge, I can afford to be a wee bit gracious. And I think, I think maybe part of the answer in terms of loving your neighbor is to remember to be a wee bit gracious. Um, It means that you have a certain confidence in your love of God and love of self and love of neighbor. And, and you just might be able to love your enemies as well. I don't know. There we go. As a fellow Southern who was raised in a conservative Southern Baptist household. God love you. <laughs> and, and God does, by the way. I, just. Um, I um, appreciate the what you said about asking questions and being a pain in the rear because that's what i was Yeah. my question for you you talked about how we address the younger generation get them back into the faith community what about my parents and the people my ancestors how do we change their hearts and minds like that's something that i really struggle with yeah. my parents love me they accept my partner who happens to be African-American, so there's that oh, whole other sh- issue. I know I went all in. A whole, uh, I was gonna <laughs> say, right. Um, but how do I go about changing? Because it's, we have conversations, Yeah. but they get heated. Yeah. And then how do we go about changing those of and of minds? doing that? Okay, I have a theory about that. Okay. Um, um, it's more of a strategy, probably, than a theory, which is, uh, Stop trying to change them. That's number one. Nobody likes to be approached by somebody who wants to change them. So right off the bat, you're, you're in trouble. Second of all, you won't be successful. But I'll tell you what will be, can be success, is the most likely to be successful, which is day after day, year after year, keep telling your story. Um, because if you stick with I statements then uh, people might not like it but they can't argue with you about it they can't they can't argue what you think and feel um, argue with it um, because it's 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 your life and it's 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 where uh, where your experiences have have taken you so um, it's 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 so old and true and worn that it's it's kind of um, a cliche at this point but but working from i statements allows the other person the freedom to take as much as they want reject as much as they want do whatever with it i think we need to stop feeling responsible for changing someone's mind and just be super responsible about telling our story and the kind of story that will, um, I think, change more hearts, is tell them how your heart changed. What what experiences did you have that made you change your mind about LGBTQ people, about people of color, about people in wheelchairs, about migrants, about, I mean, uh, fill in the blank. And what you do when you tell your story about—I I mean, this is for those of us who are alcoholics in Alcoholics Anonymous—we we know about that, right? You, you know, we're we're told to uh, talk about how it was, and how how and why we changed, and how it is now. It's a great pattern. So, if you if you can say, I used to hate X, Y, and Z too then this happened to me, and it made me feel this way, and now I feel and think this because of it. And then stop, don't do what we all wanna do, which is then tell them what to do, or not to do, or whatever. So stop, and, and give them the compliment, of the freedom to do with it or not as as they see fit. You never know when you might be the straw that breaks that camel's back. Or with your parents, you may be the last person in the world to provide them with the last straw. I mean, you'd think it'd be different, right? Uh, and, And they're part of the way there. They still love you. They just don't know how uh, uh, all the time anymore. And so I think uh, you, you have to hold the person you're dealing with in very high regard and and say, I'm just, I'm just going to tell you where I am and how I got here. That's, that's really all I can do. If you think about it, it's the same for evangelism i'm religious christian evangelism you try to hit somebody over the head with the gospel and and they will either run or resist like crazy what you can do is say here's what happened to me that makes me a believer and here this is how my life is better because of it you know if you want to look into it great i think you know you might Um, It might do for you what it did for me. And you've provided them with a pattern of how change happens, Uh, like how it really happens to people. And so whether you're talking about some kind of social issue or, you know, know, uh, or or even religion, uh, I think it's probably the most effective way, uh, uh, the most effective way to change someone's mind is to stop trying to change their mind and just become a witness to what you believe is true in your own life. That you can take responsible for, responsibility for and nobody can take that away from you. Um, you've learned what you've learned from that. And then if that actually helps someone open up, then thanks be to God. Okay. to have a bathroom break before we go to the next service, (laughs) so I'm going to thank you all for staying and, uh, uh, and for this invitation to come, and I love being here. Thank you very much.